Well, good morning, everyone, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Janice M., and I am a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Monday, June twenty second, 2015. Today we are reading from the big book, and we are at page 91, the very first paragraph that begins, When He Sees You Know, and we'll be commenting on that one paragraph. Okay, today's readers are, for the 12 steps, we have, um, oh, my paper, 12 steps, Anita L., 12 Traditions, Nancy S. Our readers for the text will be Amy N., Deb W., and Rebecca F., okay? And the reference number for yesterday, Sunday, June 21st, 2015, is 7749. That's 7749. The OA preamble, Overeaters Anonymous, is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Anita L. to please read the 12 steps. Good morning. This is Anita L. Are you ready for me? Yes, Anita. Yep. Okay. Okay, thank you. Good morning, everybody. This is Anita L. from Philadelphia recovering for today. Uh, The 12 steps. One, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives have become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of their wrongs. Six, were entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory, and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. 
11. Thought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood stood Him, praying only for knowledge of His will for us and the power to carry that out. 12. Having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, we tried to carry this message uh, to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. With that, I pass. Thank you. Have a beautiful day. And thank you, Anita L. I will now ask Nancy S. to please read the 12 traditions. Good morning, Janice. Good morning, everyone. This is Nancy S. from Wisconsin, recovering compulsive overeater. The 12 traditions. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous, except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, film, television, and other public media of communication. Twelve, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personality. Thank you for letting me do this service in my cast. And thank you, Nancy S. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share. But we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star 1 to unmute. And once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass. Then press star 1 to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone, except the speakers, should be muted. Today, we, uh, we resume our study of the big book. On page 91, the last paragraph that begins, when he sees you know. 
I will now ask Amy N. to please begin reading. Good morning. This is Amy N. from New Jersey, a recovered compulsive overeater. When he sees you know all about the drinking game, commence to describe yourself as an alcoholic. Tell him how baffled you were, how you finally learned that you were sick. Give him an account of the struggles you made to stop. Show him the mental twist which leads to the first drink of a spree. We suggest you do this as we have done in the chapter on alcoholism. If he is an alcohol if he is alcoholic, he will understand you at once. He will match your mental inconsistencies with some of his own. Um, in reading this paragraph, um, there are a few things that really stood out to me, um, and I think back to when I was I the person who twelve stepped me um, for and got me into the program. Um, tell my purpose is to um, show the the newcomer or the person I'm talking to um, that I know what it's like to be a compulsive overeater to not to eat and not be able to stop even if I want to. Um, and we see in the paragraph um, some things that were many things that were spoken about earlier in the book. Um, tell him how baffled you were and how you finally learned you were sick. And for me, um, I you know I didn't know how sick I was until I actually came into the program. And for many, you know, for a time after that, and sometimes still now, I forget that I am sick. But it's the idea that um, what is what we what I do as a compulsive overeater is not <clears throat> um, it's not because I'm weak-willed or uh, anything like that. It's because I have a disease of the mind and the body, which once I start eating my um, my uh, foods, uh, I um, I just can't stop eating. And um, I think, too, this, um, what I have done with my sponsees when they are, uh, you know, trying to, trying to get them to understand what, you know, what the disease is about, I would often ask them to go back to the paragraphs about the, uh, the man of uh, 30, 35, uh, the um, Fred and Jim, and try to relate to them and see which one of those people they were. Um, and... Uh, I think that uh this is this is a great way to um a, a great uh paragraph to follow when trying to bring folks into the program. And uh with that I will pass. Thank you. Well thank you, Amy N. Okay, we'll open it up to anyone now that wishes to comment on what was read. Uh Amy G. Amy G. Okay. Reva P and Reva P. And anyone else? Okay, let's Melissa C. Okay, Melissa. Melissa C. Anyone else? Nessie. Nessie. Rachel. This is Rachel from Israel. Okay, well, and is it Nessen? Is that what you said, Yes, Nessen. Oh, okay, Nessen. And then uh, Raquel, and then we'll stop there. So we'll start with Amy G., please. Go ahead. And then, Reva, you'll be next. Good morning. My name is Amy. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from Maryland. Am I still unmuted? Oh, you are. 
<laughs> Good morning. Thank you very much. Thank you for your service, Janice. This is Amy, Recovered Compulsory from Maryland. I just couldn't wait to dive in. Happy Monday, everyone. This is such great stuff. When he sees you know all about the drinking and commence to describe yourself as an alcoholic and for us as a compulsive overeater. So, I mean, let's backtrack. What has happened? And for intents and purposes, for, for me in, in, in present day, you know, I've been at a meeting. Someone has asked me, you know, I want to stop. Can you help me? You know, we meet one-on-one. We're swapping stories. I haven't said anything. I have not pointed them and said you're a compulsive overreader. We have, I haven't said there's a solution. I haven't done anything. We've just swapped stories. We've talked about the hilarious and sometimes, you know, tragic, you know, escapades of our eating histories. I've tried to listen. I've tried to share my story. I'm hoping that they are identifying in. I'm trying to see if they really, truly do want to stop. And then this is where they, we reel them in, as Leah says. We reel them in. Besides identifying in, we're going to start to describe the hopeless nature, the hopeless malady, seemingly hopeless state of mind and body. And what I love about what Bill is saying here is, you know, we talk about the twofold nature of the disease, the physical allergy and the mental obsession. But what do they dive in here with? We dive in with the mental twist. What do I start sharing about how I finally learned that I was sick and I, gave a, I give a kind of struggle of when I wanted to stop and then show the mental twist which leads to the first, to the first bite. I think we do a disservice. I mean, yes, we have to focus on, you know, the food and putting down the food, and we talk about the phenomenon of craving that happens once we put the allergic substance into our body. But the issue is not that I'm allergic to the stuff. The issue is why do I keep putting it into my body when I know I am allergic to it and I know that it's killing me? I mean, at that point, I didn't know I was, quote, allergic, but I certainly knew that I wanted to stop. I certainly knew that what I was doing was killing me as a bulimic. Why is it that I couldn't stop? And when I finally heard someone tell my story in a meeting and talk to my my first sponsor about it, I didn't even understand what was going on. And then they started talking to me about this mental twist, this mental twist. There's a reason why they say state of mind and body, because we're talking about the greater aspect of the disease here, the mental obsession. And I don't even need to reinvent the wheel here. We've got chapters that describe this disease to a T. We can go to the doctor's opinion. We can go to more about alcoholism. And if he is an alcoholic, he will understand you at once. He will match your mental inconsistencies with some of your own. Again, this is a two-way street. I'm not just talking about my mental obsession. I let them talk about theirs without them even realizing it's a mental obsession. But we swapped stories back and forth of how crazy it was when we tried to stop and we couldn't. How many times did I say that I would stop and start again? How many times did I try and try and I failed? I let them go on and on at how many times they failed. On and on, because I want to reel in the hopeless nature of this malady, not the physical allergy, the mental obsession, the mental twist. And we'll go on in the next paragraph and talk more about the state of mind of a compulsive reader and my state of mind when I first walked into these rooms. Enough out of me. Without a pass. Well, thank you, Amy G. Okay, Reva P., it's your turn. Good morning. This is Reva P., Recovering Compulsive Overeater in Toronto. Um, What strikes me in this paragraph is when he sees, and the word to see. Uh, When I was in my disease, I didn't see much. I was in a food fog. I was like, there was a haze around my thinking, and I didn't know it was there until it cleared when I got abstinent and started working the steps. 
But what, one thing I was able to see, in spite of that fog all around me, when I went to my first meeting, um, I was able to see not just the weight, not just people at healthy weights. There was something that I saw in people's eyes. There was some kind of energy that I felt, um, some kind of ease in themselves, ease in their bodies, um, peace with life, and that's what attracted me, just as much or more so than the healthy weights. Um, So that's what this reminds me, because I didn't understand a lot of what was being said, um, but that really struck me. And then when he sees you know, this was a person, these were people who knew, not from head knowledge like the professionals I was referred to, but as it says so many times in the big book, these are people who knew from experience and told my story. And these were people who not only shared about what they did with the food and the physical stuff, but as was just shared, the thinking. I never was aware of my thinking. All it was about was the food. And when people started sharing how their their minds worked, I was like, wow, there's other people who think like that. And can you please mute your phone while others are speaking kindly? You're not, it's not your turn yet, okay? So please unmute. Okay, I'm sorry. Uh, Reva, did you want to continue? Can you hear me? I guess she's gone. Uh, Melissa C., you're up. Melissa? Hi, good morning. This is Melissa C., a recovered compulsive overeater in New York. And, um, you know, I remember when someone had shared with me their thinking, um, not just their weight problem, not just the external, um, but the the fact that um, they thought about food, whether they were eating it or not, nonstop. And, you know, and I know when I share my thinking with other people, the, the, the fact that, um, I have been abstinent and at different times in my life and different weights, and yet there was a hum always in my brain of of the food. It was, can I have more? Is this enough? Uh, can I get more without, you know, anybody singing? What if I have a little bit? Um, and, and that was the thinking um, that... Um, helped me really diagnose myself um, as someone with a disease that, that I have, um, you know, a mental twist, not just an allergy of the body, but a mental twist. And when I share that with other people, um, that seems to be like a good litmus test for if they, if they have what I have. And, um, you know, and I know that my work with others um, is so important because I need to stay in close contact just with that part of me, just because the hum has quieted down and just about disappeared. 
Um, I know that it's there if I if I stop working my program, if I stop forgetting the the exact nature of this disease. Um, you know, I can once again uh, be like a transmitter for that static in my brain. And, um, you know, and I just also remember the great relief that I felt when I heard um, this was disease, that this was more than just um, lack of willpower and more than just uh, bad eating habits or lack of nutritional knowledge, but that there was a real disease at work here. And, um, and so I was relieved to hear there was a disease, and I was so ready to hear what the solution was. And, and I think that's what we're gearing up for. You know, here's the disease. Um, you may have it. You know, if you have what I have, sounds like you have it. And, um, you know, and then the solution is right around the corner. And uh, with that, I pass. Thank you. Okay. Thank you, uh, Melissa. Nessa, you're up. Hi, good morning. This is Nessa R. I recovered compulsive overeater in Toronto. Um, I first came into the rooms of OA as a last-ditch attempt to lose the weight um, and ideally keep it off. And so what first attracted me to the people that I saw was that, you know, they had lost the weight and they seemingly seemed to, uh, they seemed to be um, um, keeping it off. Um, I had over 70 pounds to lose, and so when I heard somebody lost 70, somebody lost 80, somebody lost 100, et cetera, et cetera, that's what really kept me here. That's what really um, uh, sparked my attention. How I chose my current sponsor, though, um, is because of what I saw in the other aspects in her life. Of course, she has lost over 100 pounds, which also interested me, but the the more attractive thing to me was her demeanor, her personality. You know, she was just like light. I'm not talking now weight, but, but, but her whole view upon life, her whole perspective upon life just was light. And I really, really loved that. But when I first came into the rooms, I don't think that I would have been receptive to the um, sanity part of, of the recovery process. And, you know, when I, when I, um, so when I, when I work with newcomers, when I, at a meeting or, or people who are relapsing, you know, I, I talk about how I used to be like in terms of my food behavior and my food thoughts and my, my obsession, you know, that I, I, I really emphasize I couldn't stop eating no matter how great the desire or the wish. Um, I don't dwell a lot upon that, but I think it's important because it's what attracted me for That's what, would really hooked me into into the program, and only when they are receptive and say, "Yeah, you know what? Identify with that," because I never identify with the solution when I was in active addiction, and I had a lot of solutions thrown at me, um, and I, you know, they never really resonated. Even even when I came into the rooms for nine years, the solution evaded me because I was just wasn't identifying. So I focused on that too. I focused on the fact that even in program, I struggled. I struggled because I didn't understand, you know, first the allergy of the body and then the obsession of the mind. So I, I focused my, um, my work um, 
on those two things, but first the allergy of the body, then the obsession of the mind, the way it applies to my own story, because people people relate to personal stories as opposed to um, as opposed to I guess abstract concepts or theories or principles, and I just make it very 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 personal, uh, which is I think um, the approach that uh, the big book really recommends. And uh, with that, I pass. And thank you, Nessa R. Okay, just a gentle reminder because of the um, the technical difficulties this morning. Please, please, pay, uh, please stay muted. Okay, unless speaking. Okay, Rachel. Hello? Raquel. Yes, Raquel, it's your turn. This is Raquel. I am sorry. I, somebody was really was urgent and she called me on the cell phone, but it's closed now. I'm sorry and apologize, Janice. Thank you for your service and. And hi to all my sweet friends on the line. I, I'd like to speak about he will match your mental inconsistencies with some of his own. Well, these mental inconsistencies with, with me were so incredible because, and, and this is why it was so hard to surrender, because on one hand I was really continuing my life and doing pretty well, except for this horrible craziness that was chewing at me and destroying my life on the inside. And I remember this incredible psychiatrist I worked with in Hartford. I was teaching them in West Hartford. And he came. He, he was such an... He, he's a doctor who traveled around the world teaching about organic brain damage, but he didn't know much about addiction. And he'd come... He, to some of the plays that I put on with children, doing incredible things. And then in the office, when I would tell him things about how demolished I am from this food thing and from relationships, and he just, I, 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 poor thing, he's, he's passed away already, but he would just like spread his arms and say, you mean you can do this and you cannot do that? Like stay on a food plan and don't slide and slither off it all the time. And he had this big amazement in his face. You can do this and that's the horrible inconsistency. And that's why I believe it was so hard to surrender because, because, because the disease of, of, of alcohol or drugs smooshes somebody into the ground like a cigarette that you're putting out in the sand with your foot. And, and with this, with, with the food, somehow I, at least, and many people I know, just walk around having this double life, this inconsistency. So it's got to be, we have to be pretty badly mangled before we, I really accept it. And now with with the six years of, of clean and excellence and with your help, some recovery too. I can see. I can see a lot clearer. I thank you so much for being the beautiful meeting and address. And thank you so much, Raquel. Okay, we're going to go on. Um, anyone else would like to comment on this paragraph? Hi, James. It's Vasa. I'd like to share. Okay, Vasa. Oh, and whom else? Monica. And Monica. Yay, Monica T. Anybody else? No one else? Well, let's... 
Let's go with Vasa and then Monica. Go ahead, Vasa. Thank you. Good morning, everyone. Thank you, Janice, for your service. And I am Vasa, a recovered compulsive reader, calling from Foxborough, Massachusetts. And what attracted me to the program, I was, I, I was dying. I was sick and suffering. That's what attracted me. And I remember being so afraid before I found recovery that it was just going to kill me. And, you know, that was my biggest fear. I said, oh, my God, I, you know, I, it's just going to kill me if I keep going the way I'm going. And I thank God that somebody brought me in the program. It was just the right time because I had given in to the food addiction. I could not do it anymore by my own power, by my own strength, you know. And, um, again, she introduced me to the program. And I, you know, I didn't know it was a disease. I didn't know what they called it. I just knew I could not stop eating. Then I learned they call it food addiction, compulsive overeating, call it disease. They call it a sin. I don't know. But I didn't care what they called it. I just needed to stop eating because it was just going to kill me. And I listened, you know, and I learned, you know, again, I was, I studied the big book and I learned about the allergy. You know, that was a shock to me, you know. The foods that gave me the, that I was the most allergic, I was eating them all the time. I didn't want to eat the good food. I ran to those foods. And, and the mental obsession, I, of course, I didn't want to eat my good food. I wanted to eat those. It was like a vicious circle, you know. And then what I needed to do, I needed to put those things down, you know. And, uh, again, you know, I could not do it by myself. I needed the help, you know, that I get, uh, uh, you know, the solution is right there. The steps are right there. And thank you, God, that I was ready to surrender and, and to start to ask God to not let me have those certain things. And the mental obsession stopped, and I did all the crazy things when I was into it, you know, and I could identify with people. And uh, I had, you know, so what I do, I, you know, I sponsored, like I was sponsored for my own sponsor, and somebody came clean last night to me, and they said they were afraid to tell me because I was going to drop them. They've been lying for months and months. They've been eating food, you know, the food that they shouldn't be eating, but they were afraid to tell me. Well, this is the vision for you. I don't see these people every week to see the body change or how their mind is, you know. And I'm, you know, I told her how courageous she was to do that. And I said, no, I am not going to drop you. We're going to work on this because I know how it is to be in that pain and suffering place. So thank you for letting me share that pass. And thank you, Vasa. Oh, Monica T. Good morning, Janice. Good morning, everyone. My name is Monica T, and I am calling you from Vermont. So here we are in, ch in the chapter, Working with Others, and we're being given information of how to work with others, how to sponsor. Tell him how baffled you were, how you finally learned that you were sick. You know, this was easy for me, how baffled I was. I had spent decades trying to control this issue with food, trying to stay on a diet, trying to be a good girl. And no matter how many times I said, this is it, I've I binge my brains out. I'm never going to do this again. I'm through. I've had enough. Darn if I wouldn't do it again. And I didn't even remember that I had made those um, 
promises or whatever. And the big book here says how you finally learned that you were sick. Wow. So in I'm hearing somebody unmuted. Um, so in the doctor's opinion, I learned that I had a disease. Now, it was easy. The easy part of it was the allergy. I knew that. I knew that for years on a gut level, that I reacted differently to foods, to certain foods, that certain foods would set me off, that if I ate them, I wanted more and more and more. That was easy to understand. I, I got that. I had an allergy to certain foods. But the mental obsession part, I, I didn't get that. That took a while for me to figure that out, how you finally learn that you were sick. And on page um, 43 in Fred's story, he talks about that. Uh, and I mean 42, he talks about that. And one day it, I realized, uh, yeah, I keep doing the same things over and over again. I get these same thoughts in my head. It's going to be okay this time. It'll be different this time. I'll be able to control it this time. You can have just two, Monica. You'll be able to handle that this time. And I would believe those thoughts every single time. And it was pointed out, this is the mental obsession. Monica, this is part of your disease. You're not a loser. It's not your fault you have this. This is part of the disease. You have an abnormal mind when it comes to thinking in this area. Now, I'm a smart, intelligent woman, and I was able to do everything I wanted in every other area of my life. But in this area, I have this strange thinking. And um, finally, like he says, you know, he realizes, I saw that willpower and self-knowledge would not help in those strange mental spots. I knew from that moment I had an alcoholic mind. God help me, I'm a crazy woman, but we have a solution here. It's called a higher power, and that higher power can overcome this crazy thinking of mine, and I pass. Thank you. And thank you, Monica T. Okay, is there anyone else that would like to comment on this paragraph? This would be Paula D. Yes, Paula. Okay, anyone else? Penny C. And Penny C. And anyone else? <clears throat> All right, Paula, it is your turn. Paula D. And thank you, Janice. Thank you for your service today. This would be Paula D. I am a compulsive reader. Recover today by and with the grace of God. You know, as we uh, go from the bottom of one line, bottom of one page, and that's 91, we go to the top of 92. And look at what opens up here. Give him an account, just the facts, of the struggles you made to stop. And there it is. When you can come along with some, you struggle with that too? Yeah, me too. Show him the mental twist. You know, I have a GPS, and this for me describes it perfectly. I put that GPS on. It tells me where I should go. So, okay, take a left here. And I don't. I don't. You're not going to find your way if you don't. I put it on. I set it straight, and then I couldn't follow through. This is the same thing. It made no sense. But what's an inconsistency? It makes no sense. It's not consistent with. But when I finally could, they could come along. You mean you thought like that? Sounds crazy, doesn't it? No. Not at all. They identify totally. Because they do the same things. 
disappears when we come together. I want to say in here, it looks like such a, in some ways, wow, what depressing kind of paragraph is that? But what opens up here? When you can finally identify with somebody else, I'll tell you, in that dark place, there's a glimmer, and that glimmer is hope. That's what it is. That's what we bring here. Thank you for allowing me to share. And with that, I do pass. Well, thank you, Paula D. Penny C., it's your turn. Hi. Thank you. Thank you very much. And good morning, everybody. This is Penny C., Recovered Compulsive Overeater in the Boston area. This paragraph is is just just amazing. You know, we talk about how this big book gives us directions, and there is nothing ambiguous about it. The instructions are so clear. Every sentence in this paragraph is I don't I mean there's no way that I I think that I wouldn't be able to understand what to do, and if I just follow these suggestions or these directions, then then I'm doing the best I can trying to help somebody else. The part about how you finally learned you were sick, oh my goodness, that, that I, I can answer that in one word, disease. I went to my first meeting many, many years ago because it was nice weather and I knew it was a nice ride and I knew where the church was. And I, I didn't expect anything more than, you know, I'm going to lose the weight like I have in the past. That's relatively easy for me, lose the weight. But to, to, stay, to stay abstinent, to stay at a normal weight was my, was my difficulty, as it is, I think, for many, many people, if not most of us. And I went to that first meeting and it was going to be like every other, as far as I was concerned. It'll be like every other meeting. But at least I was doing something. As long as I was doing something to help myself, then, then you know, I could tell people, oh, I'm trying. And I heard that word disease. And, and so um, that just changed, changed me. 47 years old, worked with... with uh, Diabetics, okay, I'll decide that I'm a diabetic as far as food plans and food behaviors. And and it was just like that after all the years of trying so many other things. And of course the one ingredient that nobody one that no one ever ever offered me, nobody ever told me it was a spiritual disease until that, that day. And that I needed a spiritual recovery, a spiritual fix. And, and, and that was the beginning of my becoming a spiritual person. So I just, uh, you know, suggest anybody who's working with a sponsee, trying to start to help other people if you're new at this, just keep picking up this chapter it tells us exactly what to do with no no way to be confused. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you. Well, thank you so much, Penny C. Is there anyone else? We still have time. Rebecca? Anita Rebecca? J? Yeah, let's do Rebecca, 
Rebecca F., and Anita J. Anyone else? Okay, let's go with those two for now. Yep. Sally. And Sally. All right, Rebecca F., please go ahead. Hi, Janice. Hi, everybody. This is Rebecca F. I'm a grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater. And while we've all been talking about this chapter and the others preceding it, what comes to my mind is that I have a quick forgetter. And the longer I'm abstinent and living a happy, joyous, and free life, the easier it is for me to forget from whence I came. And Heaven forbid I should ever forget that I am a compulsive overeater and I cannot pick up a bite or a taste of my binge foods or engage in um, uh, those slightest little modicum of my binge behaviors. I will be back in that food in a New York minute. So, Thank God how this program works, that it's part of built in that I need to carry this message to those who are still suffering because, and then I'm taught to share my experience with others lest I ever forget. What time do you go to work today? Just play, please be muted. Mm-hmm. Sorry, Rebecca, please go ahead then. Thank you, Janice. I'm actually done. Thanks so much. And thank bye-bye. You. Yeah, goodbye. Thank you so much, Rebecca. Okay, Anita J. Thank you very much for your service. And this is Anita J. calling from Massachusetts. And um, what wonderful meetings we've had the last two, three weeks. Uh, these are things I can't ever forget again, but I could if I didn't stay connected to the solution. Um, You know, when I joined way back in 1978, I wanted to be a star. Star to me meant I didn't even know what it meant, but I certainly didn't make it. I have a book. They say a picture is worth a thousand words. We have three minutes to put that thousand words, but um, my pictures show a history of 30-something years of up and down and looking like I arrived and then up and down. And, you know, I want to say it isn't just the area. It isn't just food. The food has affected every area of my life in terms of my behavior. Places I didn't want to go, which so I cut myself off from friends because I didn't want to go looking the way I looked. Everything was around me. If I can get one other human being to identify with that with me, then we're off and running. I I have found my greatest joy. I mean, well, I don't want to say that in case my children or grandchildren are ever listening, but. Um, Watching people recover and being a little part of it, it's the most wonderful thing I've ever been through. And if my sharing of my struggles could help them, uh, what more do I want? It's like that story I wanted to be. Anita joined, she got abstinence, she understood it all, and lived happily ever after from her mountaintop. 
Oh, no, no, no. I had to get down in the dirt. <laughs> and um, I'm happy on any level of that play of the mountain now. But it's, um, I'm, I'm just a grateful human being. And if I can impart that to one other person, uh, what, a, what a wonderful feeling it is. And um, when with that, I pass. Okay, thank you so much, Anita J. Sally A., it's your turn. Good morning, Linda R. A vision for you. You can go ahead. Good, thank you, Janice. Good morning, a vision for you. It's Sally A. in South Jersey. I'm, I'm going to take one more pass at this paragraph because it's such a fabulous paragraph, and it really gives us basically a list. It gives us line-by-line line instructions, starting with the first sentence, when he sees, you know all about the, th- the drinking game. And in our case, when he sees, you know all about the eating game, it, um, it really reminds me that when I'm talking with someone, the first thing I do is show them a picture of me three years ago, 250 pounds plus, because I don't know exactly what I weighed in this picture because I stopped weighing myself. I was afraid to look. And so by showing them that picture, they can see that I do know about an eating problem. Because when they look at me now, I look normal, so they can't see it. But they can see when they look at a picture of me, and I say, here, this is me three years ago in June of 2012. Then they look at me and they say, oh, my gosh, wow, then what happened? Now I can commence to describe myself as a food addict, now I, can just, now I can now talk about the mental aspect. I can make it clear to them that this is not something that's going, that was ever going to be solved because I went to some great therapist or I went to some great uh, eating barn that was going to lock me up for you know, a couple of months to get the weight off or that I was going to join some phenomenal dining club. Now I can commence to tell them, here it is, 92. Tell them how baffled you were, how I spent years going on diets, and, and hours later at 1.30 and 2 o'clock in the afternoon, I was back in the food. How baffled I was it that I could have such strong willpower in so many areas of my life, but when it came to the food, there was this craziness going on in my head that was driving me back into the food where I would just say, forget it, do it tomorrow, you're not going to make it today. You know you're not going to make it today, why are you even trying? And how there was a war going on in my brain, a fight that was going on. How you finally learned that you were sick. Oh, what a relief that I found out that I was sick, that I wasn't a bad person trying to get good, that I was a sick person trying to get well, as one of our fellows so beautifully put it. Give them an account of the struggles you made to stop, how you tried to control this thing. But it was out of control that you couldn't stop. And you made morning by morning, you stared at yourself in the mirror and you promised yourself you would stop. Show him the mental twist. Try to make him identify in with you because it's not really hard to make him do that. All you have to do is describe your own mental twist, which led to the first bite and that led to the, to the next binge on a daily basis. We suggest you do this as we have done it in the chapter on alcoholism, if he is like me, if he is not a normal eater, if he's not a hard eater, if he is a binger, if he has a binge disorder, if he is a compulsive overeater like me, he will understand at once. He will match your mental craziness 
mental inconsistencies with some of his own. He'll tell his own stories. Oh, my goodness, yes, I can identify him. You know what I did? Yeah, he'll get it. Thanks for letting me share with that. I pass. And thank you, Sally. I'm going to just take the last couple of minutes. My name is Janice M., and I am a grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater from Massachusetts. Yeah, when he sees you know. Now, that doesn't mean uh, from the book I'm going to give him a, all the knowledge that I have. No, because that doesn't mean anything to anybody. They, don't, they could care less of what you know. They want to hear my experience, you know, so that they can, like, like when I came in, oh, I said, ooh, others do what I did? And I tell them, I hear it. I hear it in the meetings. I hear it on the line. Yeah, so that they don't have to, we don't have to convince them. They already have that same pain, that same shame, that same, you know, and I I want to be sensitive to their needs. My job is to make this dialogue between the the newcomer and, and myself comfortable. So they'll be comfortable that they can tell about themselves. But it's my, my job here is to tell them my, my story, my story about the baffle, like I, I would be on a diet, and then I would stop, and then I, I started again, okay? And then I would stop, and then I would start again. Oh, yeah, I was like that, they will say. Yeah, that happened to me. Yeah, you know, this is what you want to get into, the, you, know, you know, get them in a dialogue so that they can... And share their experience the same as you. And, of course, you know, telling them, you know, suggesting that they can read about alcoholism with those examples and see if they can identify with that is a wonderful way. You know, yeah, I did those things. And then you talk about, you know, um, you know, the, um, you know, you can say, well, you're probably nothing like me, um, but I realized I was a very sick person, a compulsive overeater, and um, then you can tell them about how you're free today. You don't have to tell them how, how you did it, what happened, you know, that you can see somebody with an ice cream today and know that, you know, you can't have that because it's, it, you know, it's a real problem for me. And um, I, I can't just have one. And you're talking about the problem that I have. I mean, I'm not saying anything that they have. It's about me, what I have. And you just want to just make this dialogue so that they can identify. And then hopefully, you know, they will say and think, yes, I believe that this program can help me too. And uh, it's a great paragraph. Okay, our time has been taken up. And so now we will close. And I want to thank everyone who has shared. We will close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. Deb W., will you please read a vision for you? Our book is meant to be suggestive only. Sure. This is Deb W., recovered in Oklahoma. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely 
meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.